Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back to the Shit Talk Podcast. How is everybody? I have been absentee for a couple of weeks and I've missed talking shit so much. Can I just tell you what a terrible deviation from my routine to not be doing shit talk. But here we are. We're back. I may have mentioned this actually in the last episode, but just to reiterate, I started a new job. It's in person and more demanding. So that's why I have not been able to create, you know, research script and record my episodes the last two weeks. I also was doing some traveling, but obviously my routine is shift and I'm working on the time management of how to fit it in. So my apologies. I did not want to put anything out that was not up to par and worth people's time. I can, however, assure you that shit talk is always on my mind. This is actually, this was not, it's not like a story, but this was funny and it made me think of shit talk, but there, my boss at this, in my new job was interviewing a potential summer intern. And after he zoomed with him, he comes out and he was like, yeah, the guy's really into weightlifting and nutrition and blah, blah, blah. He only eats a thousand calories a day. And all he eats is chicken and protein shakes. And so, of course, as the dietitian that I am, the first thing that comes to mind is I was like, oh, he must be so constipated. He's not eating any fiber. And then my boss just made like a grossed out face at me because obviously he doesn't know about shit talk. Um, But, you know, just so you know, it's still always on my mind. (laughs) Even if I'm not recording or putting out a new episode, I am constantly fiber focused, gut obsessed constipation conscious and here to talk some shit. So let's do this. Here we go. Now, as from the title, you can see we're talking about seasonal changes in the gut. I'm going to get into fall and winter produce and routines. And then of course that helps me parlay into immunity prep and keeping that immunity system up for winter, getting it done in advance. But first I'm talking about a study It had 20,000 stool samples. That's a fucking shit ton of shit, but okay. 20,000 stool samples collected as part of the American Gut Project, which took place from 2013 to 2019. They found that almost 60% of related bacteria have a distinct 24-hour cycle, which we know from the circadian rhythms episode. So that wasn't like big news, but worth sharing. Um, But what they also found, which is more applicable for today's episode, were the seasonal differences in the stool and stool samples, which showed that certain types of bacteria followed very specific patterns over the course of a year. So get this, the research researchers found that the number of bacteria called, <laughs> this is the worst part, I'm always scared I'm going to say it wrong and someone's listening, oh, she didn't say that right. Okay. Anyway, the researchers found that the number of bacteria called actinobacterioidata, actinobacterioidata, was different depending on the time of day. So in the morning, the numbers were lower, but by evening, they were significantly higher. Okay, we've talked about this again, going back to circadian rhythms. That's not why I'm here, but I wanted to share it because it's still interesting showing that there are deviations in bacteria and our microbial diversity that happen throughout the day. But similar trends appeared in levels of proteobacteria, but according to the seasons. So what this study showed was that in winter, the bacteria, proteobacteria, was present in much lower levels compared to summer. And apparently, proteobacteria levels were at their peak during summer. 
Now, when I first read this, I have to be honest, it makes no sense to me because proteobacteria has been said to be, in quotes, the microbial signature of diseases and specifically gut dysbiosis, which is an unbalanced gut flora or, you know, um, unbalanced gut microbiota. So it's been shown that proteobacteria are often overrepresented or there's much too much of them in several intestinal and extra intestinal diseases. And it, they're almost always shown alongside inflammation. So crazy. Um, a lot of studies have shown that proteobacteria are lower in winter and then rise all year peaking in summer. And the reason to me, this is crazy. It makes no sense is because typically we think people are sicker in the winter. Immunity is down. The flu goes around. These days there's a new strain of COVID in winter. You know what I'm saying? Like winter is associated with being sick. Um, and here proteobacteria, which is a microbial signature of a fucked up gut and inflammation and disease is shown to be higher in summer. So that's why I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. I would think it'd be higher in winter when people tend to be more sick. Also, don't think I'm going to gloss over this one, but can we talk about how proteobacteria, higher levels of proteobacteria known for being seen with gut dysbiosis and inflammation and diseases? Can we just talk about how, once again, this goes back to the point I've said a million times, but that when your gut is out of whack, so when there's an imbalance in the gut, your health is out of whack. So a sick gut is a sick person. Again, chicken or the egg, I've said it a million times. We don't know which is first. Is it the gut being out of whack? Is it you're sick and then that causes an out of whack gut? Where does inflammation come in? But I have to say, if I had to guess, based on all the research I've read in my career and in this podcast over the last almost year... I would say the dysbiosis or the gut out of balance comes first. Then due to that comes inflammation. And then because of the higher levels of inflammation, we become more susceptible to getting sick and getting diseases. So long story short, when you have that out of whack gut, it leads to disease. Bitch, we know this. But (laughs) the science continues to back this theory. And goodness gracious, if that's not motivation to get your goddamn gut in check, I don't know what is. It's amazing to me. There are four seasons. And in New York City, we experience all of them, which is, you know, take it or leave it. Some people love that. Some people hate it. But it makes sense to me as a dietitian and someone who has spent devoted hours to studying gut and gut health. It makes sense that our guts, which are direct representations of our health, of our diet, of our lifestyle, would change with the seasons. Because if you think about it, your diet, your routines, sometimes your health do change with the seasons, even if it's just a little, but think about it. You typically don't have the exact same routine, the exact same diet, all four seasons. And if you do, I mean, it's not to say there's anything wrong with it. I think different parts of the country perhaps allow for different routines to be maintained. And here in New York, I can only speak to where I've lived, which is Connecticut, New York. I also did live in the Bay Area for four years for college. Uh, so, you know, not as intensive winters there, but still changes in changes in the routine definitely, excuse me, changes in the season definitely led to changes in my diet, changes in routine. And if you think diet and routine are not going to impact your gut, you're wrong. We know that. Um, so this brings me to fall and winter foods and habits. So we all know the obvious that 
people tend to move more, go out more, they're more social, they're more active in summer, in spring, in the warmer months, just simply due to longer days, there's more sunlight and more pleasant weather and people, a lot of this impacts people's moods. They want to get out, they want to be out, there's more time to be out, etc. So may I also remind you, we're also oftentimes eating more cold sugary treats or drinking cold sugary beverages in the summer, ice cream, popsicles, lemonade, frozen drinks, frozen alcoholic drinks. I could go on. I personally consume probably 90% of my yearly ice cream intake in summer. I'm not really interested in cold treats in the winter, but that's just me. But my point here is that I'm also drinking more in summer. I'm out more. Alcohol causes inflammation. Sugar causes inflammation. So I'm pointing this out because in my humble opinion, while we are, quote, sick less per se in the summer, we are exposed to more inflammatory substances like the sugar, like the alcohol, which perhaps is what disrupts the gut and causes these higher levels of proteobacteria. Because like I said, I would have thought proteobacteria, which is seen along inflammation and tons of diseases, I would have thought those were much higher in the winter, not in the summer. But perhaps it's the diet and a higher exposure to inflammatory substances that just tend to go hand in hand with the warmer, warmer weather. But typically, in typical shit talk form, it always comes down to fiber. Fiber, the only F word that matters. Fiber is what really seems to have the biggest influence on our gut and maintaining microbial diversity. And therefore, if you're maintaining microbial diversity, you're maintaining overall health. I'm not saying you couldn't be sick while having a healthy gut, but my point is the odds are much, much lower if you have a healthy gut that you're gonna get sick. So it's just another factor I wanna mention as to why people who consume more fiber tend to be healthier You may not think about this, but foods that are higher in fiber, like fruits and veggies, are also higher in antioxidants. So we may not realize that when we're having more fiber, we're actually having more immune-boosting foods and intaking more antioxidants. So this antioxidant fiber talk has me wanting to discuss the need to start focusing on immunity as we approach holiday time, the colder winter months. And how do we support immunity? Besides gut-friendly, we focus on antioxidants because that's what helps with the body's immune response. Put very simply, I'm not breaking down the science of that, but antioxidants, a lot of people know, go hand in hand with getting sick less often or taking them, vitamin C, taking them when you're sick or to avoid getting sick. So I will circle back to that in a second. I want to now discuss fall and winter foods and boosting immunity so your body can kick the shit out of any pathogens thrown your way this winter. Because as we know, summer is done, fall is here, winter is coming. Okay, fall produce. Now, before I dive in, why is it preferred to buy in-season produce? It's a good question. When you purchase food that's in-season, this means it's being grown in its natural habitat, if you will, in the natural environment in which it thrives. So it's going to be more nutrient-dense, it's going to be fresher, because odds are it's coming from a closer location than when you're eating something being trucked in from the opposite side of the country. And it's even more likely to taste better. So I also think clearly, as I referenced earlier, our guts change seasonally. If there are certain produce that thrive in certain seasons, eat them in that season. I personally think that's only going to support you instead of resisting, support your body through every season. Now, for example, I eat berries all year round. This doesn't mean oh my God, it's November, you can't eat a goddamn strawberry. Of course you can. It just means focus 
on what's in season and buy more of that. Be aware of it. And you can continue eating your berries or continue eating whatever it is you like, but be aware of the fact that there are certain produce that are in season every season in, in that specific season. And due to that, they're going to be more nutrient dense, most likely taste better. And they're fresher because they're not coming in from necessarily Mexico or being trucked from California. They're most likely coming from someplace more local because they're grown in that season and you're in that season. I hope that makes sense. But okay, some some fall produce to focus on. Apples is the obvious. Um, a group that I call the oranges, pumpkins, squashes like butternut squash, sweet potato, carrots. I love all those orange tinted, orange hued produce. Things like zucchini, spinach, arugula, pomegranates, pears, parsnips. I don't know anyone that eats parsnips, but I'm, they're good. I just don't know anyone that's like, oh, I bought parsnips today. Kale, beets, artichoke, all the butyrate containing, or not containing, but butyrate producing veggies, aka the cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. I love those. Those are help produce that short chain fatty acid. Butyrate, if you don't know what butyrate is, you haven't been listening long enough, go back and listen to like literally any other episode, but very supportive for anti-inflammatory, amazing for the gut, and cruciferous vegetables are known for their butyrate producing powers. Now, talking produce, I always get the question about organic versus inorganic, and I have a short answer for that. If you can afford to buy organic, buy it. If you have to choose and you can't buy everything organic, then I say buy exposed produce organic and the protected produce inorganic. So for example, Protected produce is something like an avocado, bananas, oranges, squash, anything with a peel or a skin that you don't eat. It's protected. When something is not protected, like berries, you're more likely to be exposed to the pesticides or the nonsense that they spray on it. It doesn't mean you won't be exposed to it when you're eating a banana or an avocado, but the point is it has a protective layer that's getting sprayed and you're not eating that. You're eating the flesh. Not that there aren't ways it can seep in or poor handling or when you cut into it, whatever, but like keeping a controversial topic simple, buy it all organic. If you can't, what's exposed, buy organic and what's protected, buy inorganic. Now, what I love about a lot of the fall produce, specifically I'll mention fennel, kale, arugula, cabbage, broccoli, they're bitter. Why does that matter? Because it's fucking October and Halloween is here, which means candy. The better foods, they help curb your sugar cravings. And like I mentioned, Halloween is coming up. The sugar monster in all of us is ready to be awakened from the dead or continue thriving. If, if they're already here, they're ready and this is their time, their time to shine. We don't want that. So focus on bitter tasting foods. One, this can help reconstruct the gut microbiota. And two, it helps recalibrate your taste, budge, taste buds, which then helps reduce sugar cravings. I go much further into detail on this on my sugar episode. So if you're interested in that, please go back and listen. I think it's very helpful um, for that. But I just wanted to mention it because we are speaking fall and winter produce and specifically those are bitter foods and they're going to help your body not crave sugar because typically the body craves what you feed it. So the more bitter foods you feed it, the less sugar it's going to crave. It's going to be interested more in those bitter foods. Those bitter foods are all also higher in fiber, which is going to support your gut and having healthier microbiota, healthier gut flora, 
which tend to crave healthier foods. When you have like a sugar, what I call a sugar gut, the microbes thrive off sugar. They're just going to crave sugar and you're just going to keep eating sugar and wanting sugar. And it's like an endless vicious cycle. So capitalize on the bitter tasting fall produce, especially given Halloween and the candy that tends to linger around this time. Now, let's get into immunity. I told you we'd come back to this. Let's talk about the immunity boost. This is my biggest thing to people. It will like everything, but in this case, we're talking about immunity. Don't start downing vitamin C when you're sick. The key is to not get sick. The key is to be ahead of it. Up the immunity in advance. So flus and viruses and bacteria don't stand a chance. It's not like, oh, you know what? I'm sick now, so I'm just all of a sudden going to be really well aware of vitamin C. No, you should be aware. Like, I usually say if you have a winter protocol, which I have and I'll get into in a second, you turn that on starting in October. And I personally, I think I do like October through April because you want to prep. You don't do it once you're sick. You do it, oh, I'm going to be more susceptible to bacteria and getting sick. It's winter, yada, yada. So start it in advance, get the immunity up. Like this is a concept that it's still mind boggling to me that people don't don't understand this. So don't start downing vitamins even when you're sick. Let's get the fuck ahead of it. Here you go. Some fall foods rich in antioxidants, apples, citrus, orange or grapefruit. Those are probably more winter, but still, like I said, you can eat them in the fall. It's not that they're going to be bad and they're definitely rich in antioxidants. Sweet potatoes, pomegranates, very high in vitamin C. The cruciferous veggies, like I said, cauliflower, Brussels, kale, broccoli, um, cabbage, good for the gut, good for immunity, cranberries, and pumpkin. When in doubt, buy berries, even if they're out of season. If you're looking for an immunity boost, berries are usually a very good option, specifically wild blueberries. Now you might be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I live in New York City. I'm not going to go forage for berries. I know. I personally buy wild blueberries frozen. They actually, I think they have them on Fresh Direct, but there's a brand called Wyman's, W-Y-M-A-N. I'm like, I can't spell it. W-Y-M-A-N. And it comes in a big bag and they're frozen wild blueberries and they're delicious. I'll put them in smoothies or I'll put them in my overnight oats. So like they're frozen, but I put them in the night before they defrost. They are smaller and they're very, very antioxidant rich. So that's a go-to for me in the winter. Now, what do I use for immunity? And like I said, I typically, there's things I do all year round, but then there's things I really like stay on top of October through April. I use my Propolis throat spray. I like Beekeepers Natural. I've talked about that before in other episodes. A few sprays on the throat. It's supposed to have very high immune immunity benefits. I think it also has like vitamin C. It has a bunch of like vitamins and minerals. I don't know. I like it. And I also noticed since using it, I feel I get sick less often. So that's a big one for me. Second is Peak, again, P-I-Q-U-E, Daily Radiance Elderberry and Vitamin C. It's actually marketed as a skin supplement. So it's supposed to be very good for your skin, but it's also very good for immunity with the elderberry and the vitamin C. Vitamin D, I take that, like I said, October through April 2000, I use daily, very important for managing immunity and the cytokine storm which is seen when we get sick. It's an inflammatory response. So vitamin D helps control that, keep it minimized. Hydration, because one, that's my wellness VIP. Two, because it impacts nutrient delivery. So if you're taking all this shit and 
your body is not efficient at dispersing it to where it needs to go, it's useless. So stay on top of your hydration, half your body weight in ounces per day. As per usual, I will beat that into the ground. If you're 200 pounds, that means 100 ounces daily. More if you're sick, more if you're exercising, more if you sweat a lot, more if you are in a very warm climate. Minimize alcohol if you can, because alcohol lowers immunity, fucks up your gut, it screws with everything. That's a hard one, I know. But I will say also people do tend to drink less in the winter because they're out less, just case in point. But just keep that in mind. And of course, sleep. Get your sleep. I always find that the shorter days and we have more darkness, who cares? Sleep more. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's my outlook with that. But last winter, I mean, I just beasted through. I slept when I was tired and I was up during the day and my circadian rhythm was in line and who cares if you're sleeping more? Sometimes you can't. I get that. Sometimes, you know, you have a schedule and it does not permit that. But my point is don't overlook sleep. Please prioritize it, especially if you are sick or you feel you're getting sick. It's so, so important. My last one that I use anytime I feel I'm getting sick, this is good for the gut. This is good for immunity, everything. This is an awkward one, but oil of oregano, I don't know. It sounds random. I learned about it years ago. I buy it in a dropper and I'll drop like a dropper full in my throat if I feel I'm getting sick or if something in my gut is off. It's supposed to be antimicrobial, antiviral. It's amazing. I find it very helpful. I always do warn people though. It has a very strong taste. It's disgusting. You may want to drop it in water and drink it. I actually think that's worse. I'd rather just like drop it in my throat and then chug water and I'm good to go. But that, if you, I'll bring it traveling. Or I also think it's good if you feel you're getting sick, say your throat's a little off or dry or whatever. Or if you have like a big week of parties coming up and you know you're going to be like out later, getting less sleep, drinking more. That's a good one. Just prepping it all, um, keeping everything up. And then obviously if you are sick and you do get sick, of course, focus on that hydration, focus on that sleep, get the antioxidants in, get the vitamin C in. It's not to say you shouldn't be doing that when you're sick. It's just do it before you get sick to avoid getting sick, if that makes sense, because you have to be prepared. And another way to look at it is like, if you treat your immune system the same all four seasons, that makes no sense. Because like we said, there are changes in the seasons. There's changes changes in the weather. There's changes in the food you're eating. And there's changes in the nutrients you're getting from the food. So in certain seasons, you may need to focus on that immunity more for whatever reason. Cold and flu season, aka winter. It's not necessarily that the food has less antioxidants. It's just we're more susceptible to disease during that time. So if you look at it like that, like there's a change in season, maybe there's changes in my immunity protocol I need to do. Now's the time. Start prepping. You don't have to do everything I'm, I'm talking about here. If you add one in, I think that's great. If you can add two in, that's great. Hydration is free. So I would say you should be doing that anyway. And then if you're going to pick two, I'd say hydration and then maybe pick one of the others, propolis, the peak daily radiance, vitamin D, minimizing alcohol, focusing on sleep or oil of oregano, just to, just to give you a nice roundup, a nice review of what I use to boost immunity besides focusing on antioxidant rich foods. And that's a wrap. I hope that everyone enjoyed this little dose of shit talk as much as I did. I have really missed my microphone. Let me tell you. Oh my God. I actually recorded this episode last week and it was so bad. I, I listened to it and I wanted to put it out, and, but I was literally like, I cannot do this to anyone. Like that is, that I, I would, I should be arrested for that. So I didn't do it, but that's why I had a little two week lull, but here we are back talking shit. DM me with your questions. 
that's it. I hope everyone's prepped and ready.